1: Welcome back to the French Rugby Podcast with me, Tim Groves, former France hooker, Benjamin Kayser and ex-Scotland International and adopted Frenchman, Johnny Beatty. We're on Rugby Pass this season, as well as all your usual podcast platforms. And we've got the home of the top 14 Premier Sports on board with us too. As well as being the only place to watch live top 14 in the UK and Ireland from each and every round, Premier Sports is also the place to watch every single minute from each game of the new United Rugby Championship. So watch the biggest names with all the games live on Premier Sports this season. Just check out PremierSports.com to subscribe today from just 12.99 a month on sky virgin and the premier player we'll have a look at fabian galtier's france squad for the autumn international shortly and chat about all of the top 14 action as well as getting a special guest on as well but first how are you two doing I'm I'm good. Wait, say
2: it like you mean it, mate. Come on. No, no, I'm I'm good. Just just a bit a, a bit tired, but but good, happy, um, excited about November tests are gonna just gonna come around the corner. I can't wait for that third one. I'm I'm sure we will speak about it left, right, and center. But that third test against the All Blacks is just gonna be. You know something else, and I'm already excited about it. And somebody mentioned, you know, those two, two games that one, and then obviously the opener of the World Cup in 2023 against them. I think it's the 8th of September, it's probably the only date that I remember already so far ahead. So, uh, no, no, exciting times. A little bit, I'm not gonna lie to you, a little bit of uh crushed down after my my fake uh graduation at Oxford, which was fake because I haven't done the assignments, and then the reality of actually having to do those assignments and the amount of work that is still left. So, I celebrated well way too early. I still have a shit ton of assignments to, to, to finish. And then, and two of them are due Monday. So it's proper.
3: Did you have like a Mad Monday, like post-university, let's go mental down the student union with all the young kids? Or how does it work? Like, Did you get to celebrate with your classmates or is that the last hurrah really for once you've done all the assignments?
2: No, no, no. Pro- proper celebrations all week, pub crawls. And it was Freshers' Week in Oxford, so it was a very, very busy week. But no, no, pro- proper, no no Mad Monday, no, no Super Saturday. But in typical Oxford manner, there was a Friday night uh, proper party. And on Saturday, we still had class. So as I, like, you know, get get excited, we'll, we'll, we'll still take you back. But, you know, the, the Russians delivered as they normally do. They, they stayed up the latest and they still faced up to, to the
1: reality of class the next day. Johnny, any Freshers' Week in the south of France or not? No, I'm not sure what the
3: opposite of Freshers' Week is, but that's my current experience. I actually had a weekend off rugby as well because uh, my family was meant to be coming over from Scotland for the first time in two and a half years. Uh, So didn't work on any games, which is really nice. Went up to Bordeaux to pick up mum and dad on Saturday, only for dad to realise that as he hadn't travelled in two years, he hadn't renewed his passport. Uh, So a message to everyone that's looking to now go on holiday, the world is open, but to travel, you need a passport. So my dad is currently sitting back in Scotland uh, whilst my mum is having a field day with the kids in the swimming pool and picking them up from school and seeing them for the first time in a long time. So lesson learned. Get your passport renewed. The world is now open and you can get out on holiday. Um, but not for John Sr. Not this week. So I'm not sure if that is the opposite of Freshers Week, but it can't be far off. But that is that is currently what's going on out here in the south of France.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
1: Fabian Gaultier having named his 42-man France squad for the Autumn International. So let's have a look at it then. No announcement on who's filling in for Charles Olivon as captain yet, but it's expected to be Gail Ficot, I think. And Raphael Ibanez has confirmed that it will be one of Fico, Gelon, Marchand, Aldrich or Dupont. So who are you going for? <laughs> One of five. I think
2: Anthony Jolon is ahead of Gael Ficou, to be honest, because he did it in Australia and he did it really well. And they won for the first time since, I can't remember what, 1991, I think it was, or something like that. Um, Gael Ficou, is, will, whether he's captain or not, will always be that vice captain of the backs, you know, and he's that defensive captain that Sean Edwards put in place. But it's it's sensational that there's actually so many. So we, we, we mentioned so many times of how many um, French guys could actually be considered in the World 15 at the moment. And you know, Cyril Bay and Julien Marchand, and potentially Bernard Leroux, uh, what's it, Greg Aldrit, obviously the nine and the ten. I'm fed up of saying their name all the time, and, and all those guys in Vacatawa. But it's sensational to know that actually Julien Marchand is captain of, of Toulouse, and they only who did the double. Um last season and won the top 14 the year before, so he's always and he's very very young. Anthony Jolon, I didn't know that trait of him. I knew that he would chop you know break people's bones for a living, but I didn't know he was also a good leader and he did sensationally well in in, in Australia um gail Fico, we always knew he had, had had that in him but i don't know if you guys read the press in racing he's really trying to press and say it's my time to do more than just play it's my time to take on that role so he wasn't speaking about the french team he was more speaking about his attitude for racing that he's got to bring people with him and all that and and Greg Aldrit i think you mentioned uh, has done you know has a serious sort of international pedigree now that allows him the the reality of doing that and he's a hard grafting guy i don't know how he is as a as an individual but i'm sure he would do well so it's a great sign to have the choice right it's a great sign to, to do it because when I was there, <laughs> there was Thierry du and after that was a desert. And it was, who the hell can captain this team? And that's that's a problem because a captain on his own can't do anything. So basically, whoever's picked is great because he will be backed by four, six or seven other guys who could almost do the job.
3: 100%. Like the one guy, freakishly, that stands out to me is Antoine Dupont. It's like the only guy you can say is nailed on starting. But then you look at the back row, Geelong and the words that Galtier came out with this week, he said he was absolutely heroic, incredible as a captain and a game changer. But you look at who they've named in the back row, and you could you could pick any one, they've picked seven blokes, but you could make you could make up a back row of any combination of the seven of them. They're that talented. And it goes back to that point, Benji. Like this is the first time ever I can really remember this strength and depth with this French side. And yes, the captain could be any one of five, six, seven blokes, not just the five that you listed, but there's a serious amount of depth and it's exciting. Um, And like you said, you talked about the desert and there was maybe an oasis named Kayser that should have been named captain, but didn't quite get it. But look, now you could have any one of seven, eight blokes. They've all been outstanding. And the fact that they function as a team, it makes the job easier. Like, it's not like Titi Doucetois, who, you know, had to deal with poor coaches, poor management and rally the troops every second weekend. You're now high flying, playing good rugby. And they're a confident group of people. So the captaincy becomes an easier job. So look, there could be five, six, seven blokes to take it on. My vote as well would be Geelong. Antoine Dupont is the other one. is a bit of a wild card, but he's the best player for me in the world right now. could easily be captain and take that on as well with the responsibilities he has week in, week out at Toulouse. But it's exciting times. And, but I think the words that Galtier came out with during this week would give a nod in the direction of um, of Geelong.
1: And talking of strength and depth, Benji, none more so than a hooker. No camusha. No, Pierre Bourgery. So
2: I'll I'll have I'll, I'll, out of complete transparency and honesty, I'm discovering this list right now. <laughs> I had big sort of for, sort of hints of who was going to be there, but I just I just realised that yeah, Kamisha is not there because uh, Gaëtan Barlow, who did really well in Australia, was really a good surprise, and he, and he just nailed it. So it's also I think in terms of and Piato coming back, but it's a bit the consistency of the coaches to be like um, I think that's one thing you can praise of them when you've done well. Uh, they will go, remember how we spoke about um, that, that gap, in that summer gap between the Six Nations 2020 who weren't finished or 21, they, they finished later and they stick to, they stuck to the same team, remember? And, and, you know, in a couple of months you don't know what can happen. Well, they keep on doing the same thing uh, because Camisha's been playing well and maybe others have been playing well, but if you do well when you have the blue jersey on, then you will stick it. And I remember, I don't know if, if you stole that from the All Blacks, but it was one thing that we, in Clermont where we had some All Blacks coaches that, that came to to. to to coach us they always said no you win or lose points when you've got the jersey on you and because i think we're asking them how come jerome Kano can go to japan for two years and then come back and whoever's good he said no, no no you win or you lose points when you have the jersey on so if you do incredibly well but then life strikes you with an injury wow however well the other guy does and you hope that he does really really well you're not going to lose everything you will win or you'll lose your spot on the pitch and i think it's it's pretty ballsy of them
3: it's interesting as well galtier said in the press that of the he mentioned the point of the hookers when he was asked, and he said, "Look, there's been 18 games, and we've lost five, and every single one of the five that we've lost has been in the last 10 to 15 minutes. We've actually been leading all of these games, and lost, and it's been because of the quality of our bench. And he made the point that set piece is actually one of the biggest points they need to strengthen on and throw quality. So that's obviously why, clearly for him, it's been a a, sh- a short in that direction. We need." To f- finish out games, he mentioned the sort of finisher term that everyone talks about, completing games and, and closing them out. They've led so many games but lost because of throw accuracy and quality in the last 10 minutes and that's why I think these guys have, um, have just missed out.
1: And any other notable omissions from the squad? I mean, no Anthony Boutier, Carbonell, Tolofua.
3: I think Carbonell is a victim of how Toulon have been playing. I mean, they've not been going well as a team and it's obviously hard to shine as a part of that team as an individual when things aren't going right. Tolafu, if you look through that back row, like Makalu, I'm delighted to see him back. But Tolafu essentially is the only specialist number eight. Like Makalu can play seven and six, as can every other single bloke in that back row unit. So it looks almost like Tolafu has lost out because he's a he's a straight up number eight, whereas other people can cover, you know, seven, they can jump in line out, they can be snaffling balls.
2: If you consider Aldridge a starter
1: and there's no discussion, yeah. that's what you mean.
3: Exactly. Yeah. He's the only real specialist, but the other guys, can do it all. And that's possibly why why he's lost out.
1: Speaking of McAleod, in the press conference to announce the squad, Fabian Gautier referenced his ability to cover wing as well as back row, presumably as part of a sixty <laughs> bench split. But the guy can do everything. Man, he's a
3: freak shot. Right. And I don't, I don't know if you watched him play against Clermont two weeks ago, but just like the way he played, like he's so athletic. Like a, he ran the game, he ran the line out, like absolutely dominated Clermont's line out by himself. And then... Essentially, in multi-phase, he sits out on a 50-meter line and runs like a winger. So I'm not surprised Fabian would say that. Athletically, he is head and shoulders above the rest. He's a freak show. So, look, I'm excited to see him back. I don't know if he'll actually be playing on the wing. I don't think <laughs> that'll happen, but um, look, he's a great guy to have and cover centre, wing, full-back, because he can run like like all of them. He's an absolute talented kid. Great
1: to see him back. And another one who's in, friend of the show, Thibaut Flamon. He told us he wanted to play for France, and he's in. Fair play. Because there's a lot of competition. There's obviously
2: the, the Seve Varmaina who stepped down from the French team. So could that play a role? I don't know. But he offers something different. You mentioned Makalu. Obviously, Fabien, I think what he likes uh, other than his line-out ability is his speed. International rugby is just about speed and execution. And, and Thibaut Flamont has got a hell of a lot of speed and he is a proper athlete for a second row. So yes, he's no Joe Ticori and he never will be. He's no Romain Tau and he never will be. But in, in the moments where you just need grafters, you know, when Bernard Leroux went from number six or number seven, even, to play number four and just be that workhorse machine that you've got there, when they asked Paul Willemse to drop 15 kg or whatever it is, 10 kgs, to be able to run more, well, Thibaut Flamand has got that ability to work for days I don't think Alwin Jones is, is the biggest lad. I don't think uh, Brodie Ritalik is the biggest lad. But wow, do they play and how how, how much pace for the the size they've got. is just incredible. And he fits that description perfectly. So, uh, you know, you, you guys are made for international rugby. There's some of them. I think Thibault is one of them.
3: Also, like you said, he offers something different. Like he's a line-out, like he's a loose headlock. And I think France developed loads of tight headlocks, like massive units like LaRue, like Tau, Like Valencia, they've got three sort of in abundance, but the other side is the the loose head side, that line-out sort of rangy option that we're maybe used to seeing more in Southern Hemisphere or in British rugby because we don't develop as big a units as you guys seem to do in France. But he certainly fits that mould and he's something different. But again, just knowing Thibaut and knowing the story is very, very cool. Like knowing how far he's come and to be a double winner and like that success succession and how far he's come from his university days to Argentina – it's ridiculous. So it's really cool to see him in the squad and he was hoping he
1: gets capped. And in the backs, Mathieu Jalabert scored 25 points for Bordeaux at the weekend. Is he ahead of Roman Entomac? I mean, there has been talk of them starting together, but I don't think that is likely, is it? With Fico and Vakatawa in there? And Dante, when he's on form,
2: is, is a proper cannon. I don't know. Uh, I think it's a tough one, but that's uh, Schwadrisch, a rich man's choice and it's fantastic. I still think Entomac is just slightly uh, ahead in their mind. But Jalibert, we, we've praised him enough, you know, to know that he can do, deliver anything. But how comfortable is it to be able to have both, you know, one normally will sit on the bench and one will start. And in case, touch wood, there's always a couple of games before the November test will actually start, right? There's there's only um, Argentina to, to after the opener and then you go to the third test, that team could be particularly different. So it's such, such a comfort with Carbonel on, on top of that not being even involved it's such a concept to have quality uh, operators like that and I'll just add Tani Vili the big uh, brief sort of arrived on brief Academy, uh, New Caledonian origin, uh, who played in Clermont, who is an absolute unit of an athlete. He really is. I think he must weigh uh, at least 110 kgs. He's like the French Ma, Manu Touilagi, if you want to. But um, he's, taken a t- he's taken some time to actually develop. He was taken on tour in Australia a bit out of nowhere, to be honest. It was a proper surprise. He's been playing really well. Partnering up with Damien, Damien Puno quite a lot in the centre and stuff. Um, and he's picked again. So
1: it's a good, fantastic reward for such a prominent talent. Should we quickly have a go then? Argentina, November 6th. Name me the starting 15.
2: Baye Marchand will definitely start. Demba Bemba is playing really well, but Ouk played well in Australia. Uh, he was a bit of satisfaction. I still say they'll go for Demba Bemba. He's been there for longer. He's been injured so many times, and he's playing well for for Lyon. Then I'll go for leroux Uh, Yeah, no, I'll go for Leroux-Tao, actually. Leroux-Tao. It'll be really interesting to see how how they... Oh, that's impossible. I don't even want to pick that. But I'll just say Leroux-Tao for (laughs) the sake of it. Aldrit at eight, Jelonche at at six. Uh, And funnily enough, I will go with Crottin, the Lyon guy, just for the line-out ability. Macalou on the bench, and he played really well at the weekend against Toulouse. Lyon beat uh, Toulouse for the first uh, loss of the of the season. He played really well. It doesn't look like much, but wow, he does a lot of work, and, and he was very good. Then obviously Dupont, Dupont and Tamak with Jalibert on the bench. Fikiva, Fiku, Vata Tawa in center, Pelon on one wing. That's for sure. On the wing, do you go for the form guy, Lebel, or do you try Tao or do you stick to Gabin Villiers, who really delivered? I think they'll go for Villiers. And fullback, I reckon they will stick with Melvin Jaminet.
3: Yeah, I had uh, Cyril Bay, Marchand, Humpatin, Bernard Leroux. I had Tao as well, same Benji. I went for Aldrich, Jelange, and François Croix, not Cretin. But again, two guys that are kind of freakish and exceptional. Could be either one's going to lose out, and I would go Macleau on the bench. I went for Dupont-Jalibert. I think that Dupont sort of is the best, not sort of, Dupont is the best player in the world and Jalibert is like the, for me, the equivalent of Dupont but a 10. Um, Again, what he did at the weekend, Mathieu Jalibert, absolutely freakish. Traditionally, you would, I think, keep Dupont and Intimac together because they're so used to being each other at club. But I just think Jalibert has that X factor, that extra gear that is just exceptional to watch. And therefore, he deserves to start. I went Fiku, Vakatawa in centres, Gabin, Villiers and Peno on the wings. But I think that Villiers possibly is going to be, I think he is injured and I'm not sure he's going to make it. And I also had Jaminé uh, from Perpignan at fullback because he was awesome in summer as well. So pretty similar. I think only one change. We could coach. We could
1: do this. There you go. Fabian, we've done your job for you. Look forward to seeing that in a few weeks' time. Uh, Let's turn our attentions to the top 14 now then and get our guest on because we thought we'd have a chat about one of the new boys to the league this season. And we've had Berit Skipper, Steph Armitage on a couple of times before. So I think we have to make him sign a permanent contract or give him a match ball or something like the Eastern Soccer AM if we have him on again. <laughs> so we've got a better guest on now to discuss everything going on down in the Basque country at the moment. Former All Black and current beer at centre, Francis Saili joins us. How are you?
4: Yeah, good. Thanks, man. How are you guys? Good, mate. We're good. First thing
1: I want to ask you,
3: mate, is how was the foire au jambon? Because you are one of our men on the ground in the Py Basque, tell Benji what is missing into all our... French listeners love a bit of French culture. Explain the foire au jambon and Bayonne and how much you enjoyed it on Saturday.
4: <laughs> it was actually good fun. Um, we're in a meetup up with a family. Oh, one of the players that used to play here, uh, Willie Duplessis, he's playing up at Montemasson. And the um, funny thing about it is that me and my wife actually didn't have breakfast, so we were saying, we were, saying we're going to save ourselves when we get to the festival. Um, we are just pretty much going to have a feast there, but then he said his neighbour had a bar that, that he owned literally not far from. Of course from he did the tent and he goes you came for came for came for one and i go yeah, yeah sure bro and i was like mate i haven't eaten yet <laughs> he goes, yeah no no we will get there so we got there and then um, met with his neighbor and then we had our first couple points and then after my first one it was unusual for me but i was i felt tipsy <laughs> and then i was like standing there and i went outside and i was just like I was like, mate, where are baguettes at? He's like, it's underneath the pyramid. So I was like scoffing for like the, the bloody baguettes. I was over grabbing off my daughter. Yeah, over the baby. I was like <laughs> grabbing off my daughter. And then like my, my wife was like saying my oldest one was like walking off doing like walkabouts so I will trying to like chase after
2: her. Even if you're trying to uh, to depict sort of a, a strange afternoon, I'm still jealous, mate. I, I still <laughs> still have sort of the, the smell of, of yeah. all that beautiful stuff that you got that was, into, oh the traditions and, and the history of that place. I mean, I mean, that's the reason why I love it so much. And look, even look, even when you yeah. speak about it, you look happy. Yes. So, so that's, that's exactly yeah, what I man. want to hear. That's exactly what I want to see.
3: It's it's a really cool like family time. As is like the Fete de Bayonne, yes. which I think is like the 4th or 5th. I'm not sure if you've done it yet, but it's like the 4th or 5th. Nah, largest gathering of people. Like so you've got like Oktoberfest, you've got Pamplona the running of the bulls and the Fete de Bayonne. It's absolutely mental, but it's like family weekend, like beers outside, nice food, sun shining, people having a good time. It's just awesome. And it's so good as well like after Covid where well, we haven't done anything for 2 years. I took my family down on Sunday. Like, food was amazing. Wine was next level. Just so good to be back out in the sunshine, socializing, having fun. It's awesome.
4: Yeah. And I think because, like like you said, I think that bay Bayon hadn't been done in the last couple of years. So yeah, I think they kind of, from what I, from what I heard, like, uh, everybody was saying that they're kind of using this weekend and this festival as a way to kind of you know, bring back the that sort of vibe again, uh, given what's happened in the last couple of years. So it was kind of nice to stay around. I wanted to stay around a little bit longer uh, just because I was having fun in the sun. Wasn't there for too long, but it was, was good luck.
1: And how are you finding the French culture generally? Because you've done Munster, you've been London with Quinns, obviously back in New Zealand. So you're well placed to, to talk about the differences between the leagues, differences between the cultures. So France sitting you well?
4: Yeah, man, uh, I think it's, When I got here, when I landed my feet here in Biarritz, I got so many messages from, you know, from mates, teammates, uh, old teammates from back home saying that you landed a good spot. Uh, Then obviously when I obviously got here and I was just like, geez, like I'm actually happy. And I think that probably just makes a whole lot easier for me and my family. Uh, Makes it easier for me to go to work. You know, I got a smile on my face. There may be some rugby politics that may be going on at work or anything like that. But I think once you get that balance, when you leave training and then uh, kind of appreciate what you have outside of it. Um, and I'm at the age now where, you know, I'm heading towards the latter part of my my career. But, you know, I just want to enjoy every moment because when I was a bit young, I was just so caught up and, you, know, uh, you know, wanting to like make you know, rugby be this thing. But, like, now it's starting to be more of, like, the moments and, you know, appreciating, you know, time on the field, time off the field. And a place like Biarritz has been amazing for me and my family and especially coming from, say, for instance, um, the Premiership, knowing that I was going to come to a Pro D2, I kind of had the mindset, you know, I was like, man, uh, for me, you know, coming from, like, a top-level sort of rugby into, you know, Pro D2, I kind of had to go with the mindset, like, you know what, let's just go and then just enjoy it. The only thing i can control is my attitude so if i can have a good attitude every day i'm sure i'm going to enjoy my rugby um and then it just it just showed for me anyway and um, my first experience here in france i'm loving it so far
3: how did you find it make obviously like all black you play for monster harlequins like top mm. level rugby the same for me not the same drop off obviously that you've experienced but like you know obviously probably do is graft the travel is really hard the bus trips are mm. brutal some of the teams you go and play it's not attractive rugby the shit gets beaten out of you. And then actually some of the teams, the standard is actually quite surprising and some of it's good yeah. and there's some exciting young French kids. So like, how have you found it? Like, like coming from the career that you've had, landing in pro and not knowing anything about it, I imagine, because it's not screened on TV anywhere else in the world. No. How, how did you find the experience of do And then also bouncing, like I know you were nominated for player of the year last year in do How did you find it mm. in general? But then how also have you found the level bouncing back up to top 14 this year?
4: I actually, surprisingly enough, man, I actually... I actually enjoyed playing pretty too, man. Given that you get four weeks on, one week off, like uh, <laughs> weekends <laughs> for the body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for the body though. So, no, like that that side of it was actually quite nice. You get a bit of time off, um, and we never trained in the weekends as well. So, if we had a Thursday game, we actually had from Friday to till, till Sunday off. So we didn't rock up until Monday again. So that was actually quite nice. Um, but the rugby side of things, like the, the level of it, some teams, mate, they, they surprised me. Like you'd be doing these bus trips and I think that was the, that was the shit thing about it. Trips up to like Grenoble where it was like 11 hours and you're on the bus and you'd be playing the next day and that was quite grim, but I guess for us, we had a good, good camaraderie between us boys. Um Then you go up to these sort of places and when you win, it's like a big buzz. So you kind of create that sort of environment amongst all of us that, you know, it is fun. We can actually make a, a fun like um, time out of having these long bus trips, though. So obviously, for us to bounce back up to top 14, uh, it's just a massive buzz around this whole place. You guys will probably know as well. Seven, eight years last time, Bear Ritz was in top 14. So for me, I was um, like being up in this sort of level. I've played against the likes of like Clermont and um, say like, like uh, the champion uh, the Champions Cup, and you know that's the sort of level you want to play at. And now that we're here. I know we're capable of doing it and it probably doesn't show at the moment with us at the bottom of the table, but I know that it's unlucky of us with the sum of injuries that we've kind of gained along the way. And obviously that's part of this that's part of the, the sport. But I think, you know, it's a it's a good check for us or for a lot of the younger boys, because it's gonna be a long season and you know, every week it's gonna be a grind. You know, it's not like Pro Two, where some games you can kind of hide, whereas like these sort of games like week in week outs like test match footy.
2: you mentioned how happy you were and how welcomed you you felt by arriving berets and stuff but mate let me tell mm-hmm. you like exactly like you said you, you, seven years until they've been waiting to come back top 14 but forever your family now you will will be sort of embedded in the in the in the hearts of this Birritz region and they will know that you are the guy before stefan armitage because everybody speaks <laughs> of stefan right but you're the guy before him who kicked that final shoot and let me tell you you looked the most relaxed i've ever seen a guy kick a penalty kick in such a tense moment i was like please don't miss it please don't miss it because you look too cool you look too cool you look too relaxed and too good i said like, do yeah. not not this one I imagine the headlines
4: for that to oh. be like this like this guy being too cool and relaxed going up for the kick with a smile on the face and he bloody shanks the kick though so thankfully you're winning uh, but now man like um yeah back to that moment was a. Uh, it was surreal, man. Like we literally just played a hundred minutes of rugby and, you know, we came into the circle and, you know, like we were depleted. Like a lot of us were so tired and you can kind of see it on all our faces. And, you know, good thing about it, like, um, Sean, our coach and then obviously Steph had like spoken and just said, guys, like we literally just played a hundred minutes, regardless of the result of what's going to happen after this bloody proud of yous. Um, the effort that you guys have put in was immense. And I think for us, like, because the thing, that I'm not sure if uh, Steph had told you guys this as well in, in, in the podcast, but all year at Captain John, we literally do kicks. So it's me, Steph, Johnny, sometimes Henry, uh, but we always go off the kickers like Captain run, And then sometimes our, our trainer would be like, guys, enough, like cut it. Like you guys might pull a hammy or something. And After we had done what we did against Bayon, doing all those kicks, mate, we can forever live. <laughs> we can literally do kicks at Captain's Run all we want. We can, there, is, there, is, there is no time limit to it, though. So I think for us, like uh, we literally like before we were growing up, and I knew it was I knew I was going to be like in the in the lineup. And then as soon as I went, I was just like, you know what, man? Like, look, we've really just said it. We've just played a hundred minutes. Let's just have a bit of fun with it. Like, smile and just relax with it. So, like you said, Benji, uh, I went up and then. I kind of had that smile on my face and as soon as i got the kick to be honest i was a little bit i was, I was a little bit nervous because i i just didn't want to shank it because i was <laughs> like imagine what my brother in the stands will be thinking right now um but obviously i've got to learn and then you just can't write it you can't script it without captain taking the last kick and just how it ended we are forever grateful for that moment and you know there's a, there's a few spaces on the, a wall of Wall of Fame uh, when you walk into a training. So I'm hoping um, during my time here or before I leave, I get a photo up there. you get a statue. <laughs> there'll be a, there'll nah. be a
3: statue. You'll get Armitage's statue and you'll, you'll be right next to it in the car park. 100%. <laughs> there's,
4: there's a little ball boy just, <laughs> just standing out of here. a little fan over here.
3: <laughs> and like the manner of it as well, like the way you guys went in the semis and you beat Van last minute, coming back from like 15, 20 points down, utterly ridiculous. Then beating right. your local rivals, like the oldest, most horrible rivals, by on my old team to go up. Like yeah. Steph's already taken us through it a little bit, but talk us through the party afterwards because it must have been insane. You're off to Ibiza. Jean Baptiste Algier took you all bro. there. Like an amazing time. Like it must have been incredible as a team,
4: mate. Like I felt like we had won the bloody top 14, bro. <laughs> Honestly, like, the, like the whole, the whole, the literally, it just felt like we had won the World Cup. And oh man, I was, I was just so ecstatic that. Like what we had done, and like you said, taking it back to Vans, like and how that kind of panned out, it was honestly you can't you couldn't even script that as well. Like we knew that Vans was going to be one of our you know one of one of our dark horse teams that will tip us over. But honestly, before uh, Gavin Starks had scored the try, we were on the halfway line, and I was just like. Bro, like we're literally getting smashed behind our line here. <laughs> I was like, I remember getting smoked by um from Nick Bennetan like down the sideline, and boom, and then the ball had whipped right back to left again. And then I got up and I was I was actually depleted, and I got up and I was like, bro, we've lost this game. And the only thing that I was thinking of my mind was like the beers they were gonna have afterwards. And then <laughs> obviously the play, <laughs> and obviously the play had happened. When Luca Block went offload into Bubby, Bubby off to Tsiatsaki, bro, and I was just like. Well, after the finals, obviously the finals, coming up against Bayonne and then, yeah, the party was, um, that was un- unbelievable. Like, we really just got told, probably the day after, on a Sunday when we had our lunch, that there was going to be a trip planned for us when we got to Ibina. And then um, we weren't too sure how that, how that trip was going to be, so, like, before we left to go to the airport, I was saying to my wife, I was, like, going, darling, um... I'm not, sure this, I'm not sure how this. Be <laughs> quiet, <laughs> Danny! I tell you what, it's gonna Golf. It's gonna be quiet, <laughs> and um, I said, I literally said to, her, I go, I'm not so sure how this, how this, team, how this trip's gonna plan, like pan out. uh Should I get some money out? Like and she was like, yeah, get some money out just in case. So, anyways, so we get to we get to Ibiza. Man, the plane over was, <laughs> it was a giggle. I'm not sure if I should say this. Nah, I'll say it anyway. It's for <laughs> <laughs> So we're on the plane and like, obviously we're still buzzing from from saturday we're like literally just it was only us on the plane so it's a charter flight over and we're all like charging and then um, starkey goes in to um behind the curtains talks to the ladies and stuff to get us some more beers and we're just like sweet so we're like just charging on like playing our music and then starkey jumps up on the uh the intercom or whatever it's called and he's just like going he's going to be some beers reloaded down for the boys you guys can just take your place like I pumped the music up. I'm gonna be walking down, right? and then the curtain whipped open, and there's Starky naked, with the trolley, <laughs> walking, down, <laughs> walking down the aisle, like giving us, walk, giving us our beers. Oh, right, it was actually, a, it was a giggle. And then we got, then we got to Ibiza, and then, um, still, all of us were sure how it was gonna, go, how it was gonna go. And then, um, no word of a lie, but, fuck, man, I've never been on a trip like that ever in my life. Everything was paid for. Like literally from food, like we literally ate like kings or like we drank and like ate like royalty. Like the places that we were going to was was a joke. Um, but yeah, it was it was actually one of the craziest trips I've been on. Um, just going on to the yachts, like we went on these yachts, like three yachts for like the whole day. And from what I heard for the whole day, going on the yachts, going out for lunch, probably spent like... From from what I heard anyway, it was like between like one fifty to like one seventy k for that day only, and I was just like, I was like, man, if there's that much money flying around, um, can can we get a bump up in our contracts right here?
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, screw the so, yachts.
4: <laughs> yeah, screw the yachts, man. Just chuck that out. chuck that out to the boys' salaries, though. So, nah, honestly, uh, honestly, I uh, could you not. Like, um, if you talk to the boys, like everything was paid for um from from Monday to Friday, like literally we go out midday, come back in the evening, and then like get get dressed and then back up for dinner, but everything was like literally on on a gold platter for us, and we enjoyed it though, and I guess it was more of a more of a way for our owners and just for our club to kind of say thank you like it's been seven, eight years and it's been a massive uh, achievement for us to get here. So they've been dangling the carrot again saying, you know, if we stay up in top 14, we can do it again. And we're all like, oh guys, come on. Like it's a no brainer. So You're there's like, a few incentives there.
3: No, I just want to take a paddle board. If I could just get a bonus.
4: That'd be great. I don't need the yacht. Yeah, exactly. You
2: brought you. Your really good hooker is injured. I might, I might lace, lace them up again because I'm telling you on Instagram, I was with you boys. Eh? I was on that boat. I had my NBA shirt again, except I was oh, pale white, man. you know, in my own house. But I was on that. <laughs> I loved it.
3: The cool thing for you, like you mentioned the owners and you mentioned the like, so Jean-Baptiste Aldier, your president and the Gav family. And the like the cool thing is for me, like they could have just written a check and sent you on your way, but they were there with you. They like, they joined the party yeah, with no. you. They led from the front. So what's it like having owners and have a president like a young president as well? He's only 37, 38, I think. Yeah. What's it like having these guys as part of the sort of team, like the wider team? They're owners, but they're part of it, and they want to, yeah. they want to enjoy the trimmings, they want to take you out and have a good time, and and show how you it can be when you perform, which is great.
4: Yeah, that, I think the, you nailed it on the head. Like for them to be involved, um, you know, even on that trip, like Louis gave came over for um, his two boys, his two his two sons were there as well. So they were kind of like rubbing shoulders. The young across, fellas, like, eh? Young fellas. So George is fourteen and uh, Henry is sixteen. So the two of them were on 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 the trip with us. Gab didn't join us until like halfway through the halfway through the trip. But man, like Gab is like a real personable sort of person, like real gentle, like his whole demeanour and like the way he talks, like he's just real gentle in how he talks. So like he was he was involved with it. Uh, His two boys were there. uh, (laughs) But I'll tell you this one thing with his uh, with his two boys. So uh, our first night. When we we're in ibiza we go to this place called blue marlin and this place is kind of like a man I'll tell you, i've been there before with uh the quinn's boys but when i went there with the barrett's boys like i was like man have you seen the prices of like the drinks and like the food the burger there was like 55 euros and so i was just so that's all so when i heard like we were going to this place i was like going, oh bro <laughs> i was like going, man this place we're gonna be broke after this trip and then um so we get there and then obviously they said like everything's paid for. And I was like, oh bro, no way. So like everyone's like buying bottles, like literally just like, mate, it was it was actually a joke. And then um uh, George, the youngest one, he had this card. And I'm not even gonna say the amount, like how much the, the night was, but there was a minimum that we had to spend. I'm not even gonna say the amount as well, because it was, it was a joke. To it. and so the, the bill came and then um George had the card and um you know sitting next to uh, sitting next to Steph. So the lady came out with the with the monitor of the card machine. Mate, for how much well that was on on the card machine, the kid tapped it. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, have you heard of that before?
3: Contact, My limit my limits I think it's just gone up to fifty euros. <laughs> was cards. <laughs> oh man,
4: well, honestly, like the kid had the credit card and Usually, you bloody t- like I don't know, like write a check or something for it, or like put the digits in. But the little kid tapped it though, and man, like that's when we knew. I was just like, there's a different world to like wealth and everything. But anyway, that's a yeah, Gav, like real personable, and obviously JB as well. You know, likes to be a part of it and um, be amongst all of the boys, and you can see it. Like he just hangs around with the lads. So they're both of them. They're just real personable with us. Um, so yeah, nah, good, good fun though.
1: And he's an interesting character as well, isn't he? Jean-Baptiste Alderge, I mean, you sort of referenced it earlier on with politics off the field, but there's been lots of yeah. chat in the media about a merger between Biarritz and Bayern, about him moving the club. So, I mean, how much of that does he speak to you about as, as players and and how much do you know about? Because he, he threatened to move the club to somewhere near the Belgian yeah. border, didn't he? and it's all real. sorts. So, yeah. yeah. You are playing your home games, apparently, or you've asked to, in the Challenge Cup. And Lille this yeah, season.
4: That's yeah, that's that's what I heard. So I heard we have our games up there. Uh we, so we went up there for pre-season. uh, had our game against uh Bordeaux. So obviously him and the him and the mayor. Uh I'm not too sure how much I can talk about it though, but him and the mayor, <laughs> um <laughs> they obviously have their their love-hate relationship. Not too sure how much love, I'm not too sure how much hate, but um, yeah, it's obviously all out in the media. Uh for what we know is that it was that talks, they're really be moving up to Lille um i remember on the on the train up you know jb wanted us to put like uh, stories up on instagrams on our social medias to be like you know that it looks like we're moving to little um so (laughs) like i think it's just more of like that that tip for tat sort of sort of um strategy uh mind games though yeah it's one of those ones though so uh but then also heard that we could be potentially going down to san sebastian as well um Look, he's a complex man. He's a he's a complex <laughs> man, but uh, he um but he knows. Uh, the good thing about it, man is like he knows business, so like um, he knows how to uh, like. Uh, I'm not sure having to like go out into the media and how to promote it. In that sort of sense is uh, the kind of the right way. But look, at the end of the day, like he has his uh, his way of dealing with business, and for us as players, we just kind of sit back and just kind of see see it all pan out. But we kind of hear things along the way um, with him. and. You know, we heard that we could be going down to San Sebastian, and you know that that'll probably be more of a likely scenario. Like we'll we'll probably like that uh, more than Lille because we went up to Lille. And-
3: <laughs> it's cold on but you're nearly in Scotland in Lille, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: And the only good thing, the only good thing about Lil is, uh, is that they have Five Guys. So um, that's, the, that's the only bonus. That's the only bonus that uh, we'll take if we were to go up there. We've got to have some sort of shares and um and Five Guys if we go up there. So nah, but I'm not too sure what what's going on currently at the moment. But yeah, it's uh it's all up in there. And um, look, politics just, mate. just kept in, Yeah, politics mate. That's Well, like it. you
3: said, like he's trying to get more money out of the mayor. He needs to get new facilities and upgrade everything for you guys. Like you're doing well. You deserve to have more money behind you. So that threat has to be there. Yeah. And like a few games in San Sebastian, yeah, so. it'd be awesome as well. Like the football stadium down there yeah. is amazing. Like be- Beerus have played a few games there in the past, at, um Real Sociedad Stadium, and it's stunning. Like great surface, really nice tapas, some good sangria across the border as well. It's, it's not like it's, it could be worse. It could be worse. But yeah. like yeah. JB, he's done some great stuff. Like the front of jersey sponsors yes. brought in. You've got Grinder, mm. which very unconventional, very not Basque. Yeah. Um, but it's the biggest front of jersey sponsor, I think, in the top 14 or the second biggest one. Like, it's incredible that oh, wow. some of the stuff that he has done and the money yeah. he's bringing in. Haran Nordeke, Yashvili, these guys that are coming back in and, you know, help propping up the association of the clubs. Like, it's going the right direction.
1: Yeah, And We touched on it a bit with the, the sort of culture and the lifestyle. You're obviously fitting in well in France, but how different is life at Biarritz compared to Quinns in London and in the premiership? And looking back on your time at Queens a little bit as well, are you surprised by how quickly they managed to turn it around and, and become Premiership champions?
4: Look, London was nice, uh, but was the only thing about it was just too big. I, I didn't stay in London; I stayed just outside, um, hour and a half uh, southwest, in a place called Guildford, um, and it was nice for my little me and my little family. Um, but I think for you know, for me and my family, like to be closer to you know the beach, uh, we live in Anglet, and you know like. To be able for or to my wife to be able to like walk down the road to go to the beach to the cafes, like it's those those small things that kind of make life a lot easier for her. So when I come home, you know I don't feel like you know like um, I don't want to have that unnecessary stress of just being like you know if she's not happy, it won't make me happy. So um, I'm glad that she's kind of happy um to be a, to be here to be here in Berets. And to your other question with um the Quince Boys man, they're doing some damage. They are carving up. <laughs> like, to be putting 50 points on Bristol last week or week before, like, that's crazy. Like, that's unheard of. And to be down 24-7, like, it just goes to show, like, the Quins had always had it. Like, they always had that DNA of just being able to play their flamboyant rugby and just throwing the ball around, score the tries from anywhere. And I think, um obviously, what happened with Guzzi, him going... Um, I think the boys that were there they kind of took the ownership and, and then they kind of took what they wanted to do the whole time that i guess theoretically i like, went under guzzy like guzzy was a good coach man like, don't get me wrong like um but i think you know the mentality that some of the boys had and the style of rugby that they wanted to play wires were kind of crossed with, with guzzy so the way the boys are playing mate like hats off to them because they're playing unbelievable footy and um you know my time my time was good there man uh I enjoyed it. Like, uh, look, it's a it's a chapter in my in my career that I kind of use as a as a stepping stone to kind of where I am right now. And I took all the experiences, good and bad. Um, you know, I, I, I was injured quite a bit there, um, and then obviously trying to fit back into playing again. Like, just trying to get that love back again. Um, and now that I'm here in Namibia, it's man, like, you know, you can't you can't wipe that smile off my face because, like, you know, I get to I get to wake up, mate, like when it was in January uh, this year, I remember it was like sunny outside and then I go on Instagram, I look on, on the stories back at the boys at Quinns <laughs> bro, it's bloody snowing there <laughs> I was just like, like, so you know like, it's like one of those lines where you kind of like you know, it's a blessing for me to be here man, like, like I never thought I would be saying that be, I'm living in the southwest of France man, like that's, that's crazy, for a boy from south Auckland like, for me to say that, like like I'm blessed though. So I'm grateful to be here, man, and um enjoying the ride.
3: Awesome. One of your, uh, your ex teammates has actually been in contact during the week, Tim Visser. And you mentioned that you mentioned <laughs> Guilford. And so Viss asked me to ask you, he's was like, ask him this question directly. Don't change the question. He said, <laughs> can you please ask Franny about crip walk about crip oh, walking that? over his Mercedes GLE for a video shoot in Guilford?
4: <laughs> oh, mate. Mate, I'm going like, to, hey, Viss, bus- You're playing up on that one, bro. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't, (laughs) oh man. So I was just doing, it was just, it was just the challenge that was uh, that was going on. Um, And um, yeah, I just, I just thought I'd be a little bit flamboyant and do something different. And I didn't do the crip walk on top of my car, but I did, I did do a dance and I got (laughs) my little sister to like, Oh no! I actually got my wife to drive the car slowly, and I had my sister recording it from the from the footpath. And I told my wife, "I said, just go really slow because I was doing like my dance moves." Um, but someone on someone's Instagram page, man, holy shit, that's that's embarrassing, man. But yeah, I did I did a dance on top of it and uh, it, it got me in trouble at the same time as well because uh, just not long after that, I had a I had a surgery on my uh, on my groin. <laughs> and, and days before that, there's me like doing a dance and everything on top of the car. <laughs> Cheers, Miss. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, that's all good, Hey, nah, That's all good. I can laugh about it now. Because <laughs> it's in the past, bro. So, nah, at the time, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that funny, though. But for me, it was a bit of a giggle. I can look back at it and just kind of laugh about it, though. So,
1: we mentioned Quinn's. Obviously, before that, you were at Munster. You played a super Rugby as well. So, we talk about it most weeks about how the top 14, with all its stars, may be mm. the best league in the world. How do you feel about it? You're you're better placed than most to to compare all of those leagues.
4: Uh, I haven't played in New Zealand in seven years. Uh, obviously, the only one that I could probably compare it to is the Premiership. By seeing the Premiership now, it's gone a lot stronger. But mate, yeah, I'll I've, watch I've for that as well, mate. Um, top fourteen is a it's a different beast. Holy hecker. like it's uh like you had like you you know you, you know you got this ten box of like games and. You know every single one it's not going to be easy so you're going to have to be on your game every single week and um yeah mate it's a it's a tough competition man and i've to, to be honest man i thoroughly enjoy it because in order for you to you know kind of be exposed um to world rugby you have to be playing in these top leagues and i remember saying that to like a few of the boys last season and i was like when boys like the aim is obviously to go up to top 14 once you get there like." Probably too early exposed in France. Top 14, you're exposed to the world. Like, my family gets to watch the games down in New Zealand and, you know, given some of the results, like, you know, sometimes after games, then I'm on the phone to my dad and, man, I'm getting like a, I'm getting like an hour lecture <laughs> about, like, you know, <laughs> what's been going on and, you know what I mean? But, you know, that sort of stuff, like, you know, I, I like it though because I'm still blessed and I'm grateful that my dad gets to watch the game. Um it's a hell of a push, to be honest, though, given what's happening with, with, with our camp and uh, with injuries. But look, no excuses, man. And we're just going to have to just control what we can, which is uh, coming in with the right attitude first. And hopefully we can uh, swing some results back uh, to how we did against, you know, the Bordeaux and uh, So
1: It might be a grind for the next few months to come, but um, I've got a feeling that carrot of another trip to Ibiza might just do the trick and we <laughs> might see you staying up at the end.
4: Well, I'm pretty sure from what I heard, it was like, stay up in top 14, we go, go back to do the like I thing, or we go and get into the top six, then it's uh to Vegas. So oh. I don't know. <laughs> uh, how big is that carrot, man? Like... I don't
3: know. Are friends and family invited this time? Or is it just the...
4: Uh... <laughs>
1: well, man, from what I heard, it is, bro. So. <laughs> awesome. Get it in writing now and um, we'll see you towards the top of the table near the end of the season and great to hear you in, enjoying life so much in the South of France. So great to have you on. Cheers, Francis.
4: I appreciate it, guys. Thank you guys, man. Catch you soon for a beer. Sounds good. Or two.
1: Cheers, mate. Great to have Francis Ali on. And if you're wondering where Mr. Kays has gone, your guess is as good as ours. Power cut, apparently. So he texted, Johnny, what's going coming on?
3: Through, coming through on WhatsApp, apparently <laughs> either he's forgotten to put money in his electricity meter, which I find hard to believe, or there's a power shortage or outage in Tunbridge Wells. So, Andrea Kayser, he need to pay the electricity bill for Benji next month. Clearly, something hasn't been going right with the, uh, the domestic chores. Times are tough as a student. <laughs> yeah. He was too busy in Freshers Week, drinking <laughs> pints of diesel. Um, but to be honest, the new star of the show is Francis Sailly. What a bloke. Absolutely loving his rugby. Lovely, lovely man. And couldn't be happy, obviously, enjoying his time. Loving being in the pay basque, playing some fantastic rugby as well. Um, and what a star, an absolute rock star. And yeah, like he touched on, it is hard. Like that gap between do and top 14 is brutal. It all comes down to recruitment. You have three weeks to get yourself in order. They brought in some quality, Elliot Dixon, Drani, But you look across their squad, the sort of depth that they don't have versus a Racing versus a Toulouse. They have, you know, three international tight heads and Urits just do not have that depth so they need to make sure their first strings stay fit they look after themselves they rotate properly because when they're on the field like you said they're dangerous they play some super rugby so look fantastic guy his teammates as well they're a good group um good fun and so good luck to them it's going to be hard hard for them hard for Perpignan as well coming up so last minute but you've seen the times that they've had when it's good and I wish
1: them some more and elsewhere in the top 14 five away wins out of the seven games this weekend. So, I mean, it's more competitive than ever, but has there been a bit of a change there? I think,
3: to be honest, that is completely not what you see in the top 14. I'm used to having, having played in top 14 for eight, nine years. It was home win, home win. Home, like if you were betting, man, it was the easiest accumulator you could ever find because every, every time you played the home team won, it was just the way it was. What's happened with COVID, no crowds. I think it's given French fans, French players, the flavour for going away from home actually pitching up setting up the coaches choosing a first string side or putting something out that's competitive and giving it a go and what we've seen now is like five away wins at the weekend in the top 14 that is unheard of and it just means the product the top 14 in general what we can see on tv what you can pick up in premier sports it's kicked on to another level which we haven't had before it's competitive it's fun to watch and like franny touched on in the premiership some of the the tries that are being scored some of the quality of the rugby has gone up another notch so look, it's exciting, it's fun to watch, and it hasn't been the case over the past decade. And I kind of wish it was the case when I was playing because it just looks fun to be
1: part of. And speaking of home support, we've spoken with Benji before about the crowd at Breve and some of the negative experiences he's (laughs) had there in the past. And their president, Simon Gillen, has issued a public apology for the behaviour of sections of the crowd when Jewel Plesson was lining up kicks at goal in La Rochelle's win there at the weekend bit of history there, but what do you make of it?
3: And Benji got absolutely panned on Twitter as well the last time he spoke about (laughs) the abuse he got. So we have to be careful. Um, Look, Jules Plisson, La Rochelle generally, I think, have a little kicking problem um, in that the pressure that they put on teams, the pressure they put teams under, isn't quite being converted because they're not converting their their kicks at goal. Quite simply, their penalties and conversions aren't going over. Um, You look back to the finals that they lost last season, And the kicks that were missed, could that have been a point of difference this year again with Jules Plisson? But the story with Jules Plisson goes back two or three seasons with the Brieve support. It's not just them heckling a kicker or or taking the mickey out of a kicker. It's because it's Jules Plisson. So Jules Plisson, 2016, effectively lost the game for Stade Francais at Brieve because he lost, I think he missed 12 points straight in front of the sticks. He had the kick to win the game for Stade Francais again in 2017, pretty much in front of the sticks and missed it. And so he's got a history with the breathe fans where they just heckle and jeer because he's essentially lost two games for his previous sides and it kind of nearly happened again. So like Anki came on in the seventh minute, missed three kicks, got pulled off on the 55th minute, um, to you know, whistles, cheers, typical raucous French crowds, which is what you get in the top 14. And look, it didn't sit well with certain members of the public, but That is one of the bonuses in top 14 is the home support is so important. The noise they generate, they intimidate, and that's what they do. So look, not an easy weekend for for Jules Plisson. You can see both presidents coming out, Simon Gillen as well, coming out to um, excuse the behaviour of certain fans. But look, he's a good player. He's a quality player and he'll he'll come back just, I don't think, anytime soon in brief.
1: And Cheslin Colby has arrived in France. He's been introduced to the crowd at Toulon and they need him. Um, They went down at home to Racing. And they've confirmed what we spoke about last week. Freddie Michalak is arriving on the coaching staff yeah. towards the end of the year, but they're in trouble, aren't they? It doesn't get any easier for them. They well, are away to La Rochelle this week.
3: Well, it's when you, send, when you say they're in trouble, it's it's one bloke. So it's Patrice Colazzo, who, a wonderful job at La Rochelle, came over and took the head job in Toulon. I mean, last year was average. I think they finished eighth. They missed out on that. The last day they lost to the cast. They missed the playoffs, but... He hasn't had a fair crack of the whip this season. Like essentially, his pre-season for his team was cancelled. So everybody was away at the Rugby Championship. There was a sevens tournament. He couldn't get a pre-season game organised because he didn't have a team. He didn't have players to coach or train with. So between that, the lack of preparation, the fact that Colby, Beth aren't there. You've got Barise, you've had Issa who's injured. You've got Baptiste Saran, the scrum half, who's injured. He He hasn't had any centres to pick from. But the way French rugby is, the way the media works, the way the pressure gets thrown at these blokes, the president told him last week he had two weeks to basically perform. This week was better, even though they lost, the manner in which they played, the desire they showed on the pitch was was better, more encouraging. But is that going to be enough after a loss at home? I, I don't think so. So look, Freddie Mischlach coming in essentially to take up the same role, the skills role that he's doing over in the Roosters than in Australia, he's not going to be a head coach. So who's going to come in and take his job because the writing is now on the wall. He hasn't been given time. He's been given verbal warnings by his own president in the press. It doesn't look good for him. Um, Yannick Brew being mooted. He's a buy-on. He signed a one-year extension to see if he could get them back up. And apparently, irrespective, now he might be leaving. And one destination could be too long. Um, and that's just the nature of the pressure of top 14 rugby is that look after six, seven fixtures. If it isn't going your way, if you're not at the, right the table, we're table where Toulon clearly now or not, they're now 11th or 12th, I think. It's desperate times and desperate measures, unfortunately.
1: We will watch with interest what happens behind the scenes at Toulon in the weeks to come. Thanks, Johnny. Uh... We'll text Benji. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Time to put 50p in the meter. <laughs> a big thanks to all of you guys for listening as well. Make sure you hit subscribe. Leave us a nice review if you can as well. Check us out on Rugby Pass as well as on YouTube. Enjoy the top 14 on Premier Sports this weekend. And we'll be back with another episode next week. Au revoir, Johnny. Cheers, mate. <laughs>